welcome to today's edition of Take a Leap and Transform, a neo-diversity journey podcast where entrepreneurs, employees, business owners, and individuals can become aware and transform their mindset. Welcome back to Take a Leap and Transform, a neo-diversity journey. I'm your host, Joseph K. Muscat. Are you ready to take a leap with me? Metrics are important. For business, without a doubt, metrics are very important. We need to, they need to, should I say, measure where things are being done, how they're being done to ensure that they're getting a return of investment, whether that is an employee or product or service. And this brings me to a a quote that I quite often used to use. If it can't be measured, it can't be managed. Okay, wait a minute. I'm, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. Today's podcast is a revisit to the book, The Power of Difference, that I introduced to you a few podcasts ago. The Power of Difference, where the complexities of diversity and inclusion meet practical solutions by Simon Fanshawe. I did mention to you that this was a, a really great read, and I, I really encourage you to go out and read this book. I found this book to be very profound in regards to inclusion and diversity and belonging. And Simon Fanshawe shares his 30 years experience in this industry and what he has learned and what solutions he's provided. And I mentioned the last podcast when I brought up this book that I will be coming back hopefully to share some more insights with you. And at the time I was halfway through and and, and now I've just finished the book and I'm really, really excited I finished the book and I pulled out tons of information. And I want to share once again with you three particular aspects out of that book. So let's start with the first aspect, back to, to metrics. And what I've come to learn and which which I want to share with you is that we've been using metrics all wrong. And I've stated a quote and I did say I, I used to use this quote. If it can't be measured, it can't be managed. And this quote is quite often attributed to Peter Trucker. And the irony is, is that he never said this quote, even though it's been attributed to him. The reality is, is this quote supposedly from what I've read in the book, dates back to a 1956 paper written at the Cornell University. And the title, the title is really interesting. The title pretty much gives away the dysfunction consequences of performance management. That's the title, the dysfunction consequence of performance management. So just from the title, it's a clear indication from their study and from their research that metrics is being improperly used. In fact, the the paper has found out that it goes on to the point where even to the point of measuring things pointlessly, even if it harms the company, we're using metrics wrong. Now let's go back to Peter Trucker. What did Peter Trucker really say? Well, in his book entitled Management, Task, Responsibilities, and Practices, he states, work implies not only the work that somebody is supposed to do, the job, but also the accountability, a deadline, and the measurement of results. The measurement of results in regards to feedback. What he's saying is metrics is important, but not in how we've been using it. It's important for feedback. He goes on further by saying, Measurement is only significant insofar as it is a form of accountability and an opportunity to learn. So in order to learn, we need to have feedback. He further states, targets are about responsibilities and reflection and not just numbers. Your first role, he says, 
is the personal one. It is a relationship with people and the development of mutual confidence and identification of people, the creation of a community. In other words, it's about creating a culture of belonging that in the long run will improve performance. So we've been using metrics all wrong. Metrics is about feedback. Feedback is about learning, which means we need to use metrics to be able to coach and mentor talent. And this becomes really important when we talk about neodivergence. Is neodivergence one of their best accommodating practices that we can provide neodivergent talent as a coach, whether that's a third-party coach or the manager? And once again, I, I've often said that managers don't see themselves as coaches. Metrics is important to help support the coach to give feedback and guidance, not to, to crucify, which is where we've been using metrics wrong. And I did say earlier that once I, I, I read this quote, I came to the realization that I need to stop using that incorrect, misquoted quote. If it can't be measured, it can't be managed. It's wrong. It's about feedback. It's about coaching and mentoring. So when we use metrics, KPIs, examining deadlines reached and why it wasn't reached, this is an opportunity to coach, to provide and support guidance, as well as give recognition. Recognition is really interesting because recognition, recognition is a tool that collects a lot of dust in our toolbox when we talk about performance management. And we're learning that recognition needs to be used regularly and daily. And recognition is a learning tool. When you have the metrics and you provide the feedback with the coaching and the mentoring and you give attention and recognition, they learn what good performance looks like. But we don't reuse recognition as often as we need to. We want to improve performance. We want to use the feedback effectively that we got from the metrics. We need to coach and mentor and give proper recognition and giving attention. And what it basically all comes down to is that we need to stop using metrics as a tool for criticism and judgment. That is not what metrics is for. It's about feedback, getting the research and the information to be able to coach, mentor, give attention, and provide recognition. So I hope that you will now learn not to use metrics inappropriately and to stop using that quote as I have. Now, the first part of this podcast leads into the next topic I want to talk to you about that I got in from Simon Franchot's book, The Power of Difference. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about this wonderful app that I've been using called Focus Bear. Focus Bear is a productivity and health and well-being app designed by and for neodiversity professionals like you. The app works on PC, Mac, and mobile devices. I personally found Focus Bear so effective because they are designed by engineers who have a lived experience in being neodivergent. So what does Focus Bear do? Well, it removes all distractions and assists you in developing new habits. How? The app is completely customizable. You can set up multiple profiles to block various apps and sites with task-oriented focus. For example, you'll be able to block all sites and apps, but the word processing app 
and you do so for two hours so you can focus on completing that task. What about the habit-forming assistance? Well, you set your days in three areas, morning, micro breaks, and afternoon. In each area, you want to form some new habits and you get to set the days and time durations for each habit. For example, in the morning, you want to meditate for five minutes, read for 10 minutes, and work out for 15 minutes. Focus Bear will block either all apps or websites and or allow select the apps you choose for each of those time durations. To further help motivate you in each of those sections, you can embed an inspiring video, like a 15-minute workout video that you can work out with. With my time using Focus Bear, I've been able to set block times of focus to complete tasks, and at the same time, I've been able to reestablish focus center habits and create new ones. The best part is I get to build those habits by being able to extend or shorten the timers. I encourage you to try Focus Bear to assist in getting focus and to build the habits you've always wanted. And again, it leads off with a quote. There's really a lot of great quotes in this book. The quote comes from Nobel Prize winner Angus Deaton. And he states, if it was your group that set the rules, then when you win the game, you need to believe that you did it through your own brilliance. Once you frame it like that, you don't only justify your own position as being fair and right and reach solely through your own talents, but all that needs to happen is that the minorities get better at whatever role or job they are doing and at how to play the game. And that way, they'll catch up. That is a really interesting perspective when it's framed that way, isn't it? And it frankly reinforces what I've always stated in this podcast, especially when I'm engaging with guests, that the system is the problem. The system is what needs to be changed and replaced. The system, the game, has been written by the neotypicals, the neo-majorities, without any consideration for neo-divergence. So when the system has been created by the neotypicals, they set the rules, they justify their brilliance and talent. And what do we often usually hear as neo-divergence? If only you try it harder. You're lazy. You're not working hard enough. If you did it the way I showed you, if you did it the way that I told you, as the way I've done it, then you wouldn't have this problem. So in other words, play by their rules, play by their game, work harder, and eventually we'll be accepted and catch up. We need to throw the system out the door and we need to create a new system that thinks about everyone, not just the majority. If we really want to talk about inclusion, particularly for neodivergence, because as we all know, it's an invisible disability, then we need to start from scratch. We need to rewrite the rules to truly become inclusive. And then the rules will be made for everyone. And then everyone will have the opportunity to have the brilliance. Because what we're doing is creating a right environment where human potential is not wasted. And if the right environments are not in place, 
then we're going to go back towards that old system that puts the neo-majority at the advantage and the neo-divergence in the disadvantage. Now, when we look at business, of course, they may argue that they can't change the rules because they're playing a bigger game. They're playing the game of capitalism. They're competing against their competitors. It's about profits and margins and revenue. And yes, that's all true in regards to the game, in regards to the greater game they're playing. Yet, when we take a look at businesses who have redefined the rules in their organizations, their visions, their missions, and looked at how they could become more inclusive and realize the benefits of cultivating neo-divergent talent in their organizations, they've actually advanced in the game and play the game far better than those who haven't changed the rules within their organization. They've realized that cultivating diverse thinking improves productivity exponentially, that it can increase sales and profits, that it helps them become more creative and more competitive. So that's no excuse. Because when we take a look at organizations that have done it, there's no excuse why you can't do it. So what can you do to change the rules? Take a look at your organizations. Go back to the previous topic and the suggestion that I gave in regards to using that spreadsheet. This will help you examine the rules and look at how you can go and change the rules to your benefit that will help you become more inclusive. And speaking of the rules and changing the rules, along with fostering diverse thinking, and this brings us to the last chapter of the book in regards to challenging conversations. And one of the aspects that they bring up in regards to challenging conversations is creating safe spaces. And again, this brings us to another quote. And as I said earlier, quotes are fantastic because it gets you to, to not only reframe you're thinking on a subject that you agree with, but it also heightens your thinking ability about that because you start to see things from completely different angles. And this is one of those quotes. And the quote comes from Amy C. Edmondson, where she talks about and she defines psychological safety as a climate in which raising the certainty views is expected and welcomed. It's all about creating an atmosphere where you feel you can speak up. That making a mistake doesn't lead to scorn or ridicule. And this brings us to another quote from MIT professors of organizational development, Edgar Sheen and Warren Bennis. People feel secure and capable of changing are free to focus on collective goals and problem preventions rather than on self-protection. How often do you not feel safe to speak up in your place of work? How often are you sitting in a meeting where no one speaks up and yourself potentially included in that because you don't feel it's safe to speak up. That's because there is a culture in there where it's not psychologically safe to give a different point of view. And so as a result, you choose not to speak up to protect yourself from any ridicule or scrutiny. Many neo-divergents for many other reasons, such as processing speed and executive function 
they don't speak up because they need time to process or haven't had been given time to process. On the other hand, though, many choose not to speak up because, as I stated earlier, it's not psychologically safe. So it's up to companies to welcome challenging viewpoints. This is why you want to cultivate neo-divergent talent and diverse thinking in your organizations, because you want those challenging viewpoints. And when you allow for challenging viewpoints, you start to get different perspectives. You start to allow those different perspectives to lead into new ideas, new creativity, to start thinking about things that you may never have thought of before or looking at old things with a new set of eyes leading to new potential possibilities. But for that to happen, you need to allow for a culture where people can speak up safely without being criticized, judged, or scorned. And the other aspect as well that we need to consider, and I think we've brought this up in other podcasts, episodes, is we need to let new perspectives, new ideas, or even old ideas. We need to give them time to mature. And quite often, you know, you're in a meeting and, and you bring up an idea and they say, well, we've tried that before. It, it didn't work. And well, didn't work then. It may work now. Maybe if you tweaked it, if you looked at it from a different perspective, it potentially could work now. Or in the past, there was still the possibility of it working, but because it didn't give those immediate results, we didn't give it time to mature. And as a result, the company ended up paying the price for that and cut off a project or an idea way too soon. So we need to cultivate this. And the only way we can cultivate this is when employers and managers are willing to cultivate it. If employers or managers are not willing to cultivate it, then obviously it's not psychologically safe and you're not going to have that diverse thinking. So let's change our management styles. Let's allow for diverse thinking. Let's encourage diverse thinking. Let's give that an opportunity for exploration and maturity. Well, those are my thoughts. And I thank you for letting me think out loud on those three wonderful points from the book. And I once again encourage you, I get no benefit. It's just a fantastic book that I want to share with you. The Power of Difference by Simon Fanshaw. I'll put the details in the show notes. Hey, listeners, I encourage you to continue supporting this podcast so I can bring you more amazing content. You can do so by visiting my Patreon page, where you can connect with me more directly with several options. Till next time, take a leap and transform.